one. Welcome, everybody, to Serving in Business. This is your host, Steve Ramona, and I'm super pumped the day after Thanksgiving, so both of us are full, but I've got Victor Hatuk, who's a financial advisor with Edward Jones. Victor, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks there, Steve. You're right. I had some uh, leftover turkey for uh, for lunch today, so it's going to be the same thing for dinner and probably throughout the weekend as well, too. So very full, but very happy. That's the that's important part. And the secret sauce of that is, excuse the pun, secret sauce is the leftovers. I think they're better than the day of Thanksgiving, right? I really do. I really do. It gives you a chance to appreciate it because usually for Thanksgiving, you're surrounded by people. And so a lot of times you're focused on conversations and, and you know, keeping that going. Whereas the day afterwards, when you can just focus on the food and the leftovers, you could, you're usually by yourself. You know, maybe it's 12 o'clock midnight and you're just like, man, I just need to eat something. And it's like, this is delicious. So I, I had that revelation last night and also for breakfast and lunch this morning, uh, today as well. Amen. Well, this is awesome. And, you know, me and Victor have talked audience and listeners, I want you to know, and there's a lot of financial advisors out there, but why I want to bring Victor on because he truly does serve his, his clients. And Victor, talk about you, how you got started with financial advising and let's start there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been actually a lifelong dream and journey of mine because I've, uh, you know, I, I currently live in St. Louis and I was born here in St. Louis, but I grew up in Florida and uh, growing up, it was one of those things where my parents really wanted to push me to kind of go into whatever field I wanted to, you know, they didn't push me to go into legal or medical or whatever. So they kind of just left it open. Uh, and at an early age, I remember I was in fourth grade when we had to do one of those projects where you were keeping track of one company and their stock over time. Uh, and this was, you know, before the days of the internet. So you'd have to go to the newspaper every single day. Uh, and I remember the, the company that I was tracking was DuPont. And uh, just being able to kind of see the stock price go up and down over, I think it was a period of like a month or so. It was just a very interesting exercise. Um, and luckily, there was uh, a lot of... Um, there was a lot of just resources that became available just because I am a millennial. So as the internet started opening up, you know, it was one of those things where I had a chance to learn a lot and be able to explore a lot from just things that were available online for free. And that really kind of piqued my interest in financial planning and the financial services industry. So when I was in uh, high school, my, my high school had a program where they allowed you to be able to get credit hours if you interned at a local business. And so I was able to find a financial advisor that uh, was not with Edward Jones. He was an independent financial advisor, but uh, he, uh, you know, invited me in to be an intern, to be able to kind of do marketing stuff and just be able to be in the office and see what it, what it would look like if I ever wanted to go down that route. And so it really did solidify for me. So when I uh, went to college, studied finance at the University of Florida, knew I wanted to be able to get into this, uh, this, uh, this industry. And I was an intern at Edward Jones while I was a college student. And luckily, I did a good enough job that <laughs> when, I, uh, when I finished the internship, they were saying, hey, when you graduate, we'd like for you to be able to, to, to uh, you know, join us. And so that was a great opportunity for me, uh, just learning nonstop about the industry. So when I, when I graduated and I moved from Florida up to St. Louis, it was one of those things where it was a nice like dream that had been realized to say, hey, I'm actually doing the thing that I studied for. And I know a lot of folks really don't get a chance to say that. So, um, you know, and I've been, uh, I, this was 2006 was when I graduated from, uh, from Florida. 
Uh, and I've been with Edward Jones ever since. The company has treated me very well. I've worked both at the headquarters of Edward Jones based here in St. Louis. And I also worked uh, like currently as a financial advisor where I get a chance to work directly with clients. So um, yeah, it's been one of those things where, like I said, it's been a lifelong dream of mine. And I'm, you know, I, I, the phrase living the dream, a lot of people kind of say that, but for me, that that's a reality, which is really neat. You can hear the passion in your voice, which is why I'm glad I brought you on. Now, financial advising is very uh, vanilla in a sense. It, it's numbers <laughs> and all that. Yeah. So the reason I brought you on, listeners, I want you to hear this from Victor. You know, we're serving in business. We're not selling. And, and you really epitomize that when I talk to you about how you handle your clients and people you talk to. High in serving in the financial field. How do you do that? How do you blend those two? Because that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, I, I think uh, what you said there, the financial services field, when you said vanilla, I would very much agree in terms of the industry as a whole. It's very commoditized, to be honest, because any of the products that one firm has to offer, you can more or less find it at a lot of other firms, right? So it's one of those things where the question is, how can I really make sure that anyone who chooses to work with me, they get the best experience possible. And it's been one of those things that Edward Jones provides a lot of great training for us. And they really encourage us to be able to kind of make our practice our own. And what sort of families and clients do we want to make sure that we get a chance to work with? So I put in a lot of places just talking with my branch administrator of how can we make sure that we provide the best client experience possible. And the way that I like to really customize that is I say, well, the one thing is we need to make sure that we build trust with anyone who sits down with us. Even if they don't do business with me, I want to make sure that at least trust me and the things that I have to say. So they, you know, if they choose to work with someone else, they at least remember. It's like, hey, I remember speaking with Victor and I felt very comfortable with him. Uh, so potentially, you know, if they have someone else in their life that thinks, oh, this person might be a better fit for, for my practice, then by all means, they can refer them over. Yeah. Uh, so some of the things that we do is we want to make sure that we trust them by understanding what's most important in their life. And that question gets brought up a lot, but the way that I try to really kind of bring it out of a conversation is by asking folks, not just what have they saved up and talking about the account values that they have, but more so what have been the decisions they've made throughout their life that bring them to where they are today? So whose advice have they taken? What good or bad experiences have they had with money what good or bad experiences have they had with people in the financial services industry? What are their feelings about risk and how has that changed over time? What's their first memory of money? You know, and so a lot of those things help to provide a lot of context. So I really get a chance to know not just what they've saved up, but how did they get to where they are today? And I think that's a really important step that a lot of financial advisors really don't take that extra time to go through that due diligence. But what I've seen with a lot of the conversations I've had is that it does help people recognize that, oh, well, if I talk with someone that's going to help me deal with my money, I want to make sure that they know about me first, right? Not just what I have in the bank, but what about, you know, what about me? What are my hot button passion issues? What are the potential pitfalls or issues I've had in the past? And I think that's really how financial advisors need to, to structure their practice so they can build that trust. Um, 
the other part of my process is once we do have a chance to talk more about the specifics about what do they want to do with their money, I'm a big fan of visualizing and telling a story of what does that look like. So as you kind of mentioned, Steve, the, the industry, there's a lot of numbers, there's a lot of charts and graphs. And for the vast majority of people, charts and graphs really don't mean a whole lot. Uh, but what I like to do is I like to be able to show people what does their story look like. So when we build out those charts and graphs, we put in specific milestones of what happens when. So we can have the major milestones such as when do you retire, when do you get social security, but even some of the smaller ones such as, hey, I know that this trip is really important for you. It's a, a bucket list destination that you know uh, you wanted to be able to take your family on, let's say like a Mediterranean cruise, something you've always wanted to do your entire life. I wanna make sure that that chart specifically is labeled and calls that out so they can see that and they can see that, oh, that's my story. This isn't just like a hypothetical. This is something that can be very real. And I've noticed that what helps is that it allows that person to really buy into this plan that we're putting together because yeah, it's not, you know, I, I want to make sure that they not only trust me, but they also trust that plan. And the only way that they can trust that plan is if it's really customized and it really speaks to them. So telling that story is a, is a huge part of it as well too. So um, those are really the things that I do to kind of help build some of that trust. And really on the back end, as we've seen over the last uh, couple of years here, there's also a lot of, um, uh, question marks that people will have. Hey, we can build our plan as good as we want, but there's always going to be things that might come out of the blue, out of left field that might impact our plan or change it. And those are conversations I love having with folks because, you know, it allows us to play a lot of what ifs so we can create different scenarios to, again, allow them, allow them to trust that plan as a whole. So what happens if, let's say, for example, they have some unexpected medical expenses. What happens if they live a lot longer than they expect? Or what happens if like the market just does very poorly for, for you know, many, many years? So all of those what if scenarios are things that I like to be able to build in. So again, people can trust their plan, they can trust me, and they can feel good about just, yeah, what is my financial situation going to be like? So uh, I, can, uh, I can rest easy at night. Well, I love what you said. What I've got from that, which is two things I don't hear a lot from financial advisors, is education and mindset, the money mindset. And I love that because it is so important because we know finances and health yeah. are two hot topics for everybody, <laughs> good or bad. So uh, talk about um, a little bit about what you do with your clients. We've talked before about this. Talk about how you stay connected with your clients with this coffee club sure. and how that started. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is one of those things. I'm actually very proud of this. Uh, one of the things I do that you should uh, be a lot very of proud. a lot of the clients I work with, and even like people who are not clients that are, you know, they they're more prospective clients or uh, just like uh, I've had a couple vendors jump on as well too. One of the things that uh, I did when I get when I got started is I was hosting these coffee clubs, and um, at first they were in person, and the Edward Jones Coffee Clubs that uh, the Edward Jones provides us a lot of information for, but the whole intent is they're meant to be very informal. So a general market update, a lot, a lot uh, followed by questions that people can ask. And again, it's informal. It's not meant to be specific to anyone's situation, but it allows people just to talk 
to me in a very informal way. They can talk amongst each other in a very informal way. And it's a fun dynamic. It's one of those things where a lot of folks really appreciated that. So uh, I was doing that. And then, you know, a couple of years ago, 2020 hit. Uh, and we know that when the pandemic started, everything went on lockdown. Uh, so in terms of being able to see people face to face, that wasn't as much of a possibility. Yeah. So a lot of folks did tell me as they were sitting at home, let's say, you know, I had a retired couple that was sitting at home and they really couldn't see anyone. They were missing a lot of that, that human connection. So they would tell me, Victor, we really miss those coffee clubs. Is there any way that you, you can bring them back? And obviously from a, um, from a uh, uh, in-person standpoint, that wouldn't have been a possibility. But I did think, you know what? We haven't had a chance to um, travel a whole lot. And one of the things that I really love doing with my, my coffee clubs is not only talking about the market, but also being able to talk about coffee cultures and different tea cultures from around the world. So I figured, what if I brought that same energy and we did it via Zoom? Now, I know via Zoom, having like a large group of people, you really lose a lot of that dynamic of, you know, those side conversations and that, that you know, that sense there. Uh, so what I wanted to do is I said, well, we can still talk about different teas and coffees from around the world as people would RSVP to join this online coffee club. I'd be able to send them sample packets of different teas and coffees and snacks from around the world. And we would have uh, a different country of focus every single time that we would, we would run one. So it could be anything from Argentina and talking about like, you know, Argentinian Yerba Mate tea to uh, we could talk about like coffee culture in Italy. Um, and sometimes I would have someone that would be uh, like a, a tour guide in Italy, be able to walk through the streets of Rome with a GoPro and be able to give like a live walkthrough of, hey, here's what Rome looks like. Here's the major uh, attractions, the Trevi Fountain, et cetera, et cetera. So it allowed anyone who joined on to have that sense of travel and wonderment, which I absolutely love. And I felt like it was an opportunity for people to be able to, one, experience something different and something new by I, tasting different teas and coffees but also being able to learn a little bit about different travel destinations and maybe put a couple different ones on their bucket list. Uh, so yeah, I've been, I've been still doing a lot, a lot of these virtual coffee clubs. So the last one uh, that we had a chance to do, we actually focused on Vietnam. And uh, Vietnam is uh, uh, where my parents are from. So it was like the first time I was able to put the spotlight on, you know, my, you know, my, my heritage, which is really cool. Um, but we, yeah, we talked about if you do travel to Vietnam, what are some of the good destinations to go see, you know, uh, throughout, throughout the country. And it's been one of those, I want to be able to continue doing those forward, uh, planning for 2023 as well too. So if anyone wants to be able to join, all they have to do is reach out to me and, uh, you know, uh, I'll be able to send them the link and, uh, some goodies to sample as well too. Well, I definitely do that. In the show notes, I'll have all of Victor's contact info so you can do that. But listeners, I want you to just take a moment. Is this guy giving back to his clients and non-clients? If you heard what he said, this is for open for everybody, not just his clients. What is serving in business giving back? My answer is yes, but I want all you listeners to think about what you just heard that story. And I think you'll come to that same answer too. Uh, reach out to Victor um, because... I love talking to him. We work together in a networking group. And, you know, like I say, he's got a radio voice and we'll talk about that, him doing a podcast down the road, but that's, that's moving ahead a little bit. Let's talk about a quick book. Sure. Love to leave a good tip, a good book for somebody to read. Uh, what, which one of your favorites? Yeah, I, I, I have a few that kind of come to mind. And um, 
The first one is actually going to be one that uh, because I am a big fan of travel and, and uh, allowing folks to experience that sense of curiosity when they do travel it doesn't have to be anywhere super exotic, you know, even just like the next county or next town over. Uh, there's a book that I got a couple years ago and I love. It's called Atlas Obscura. Atlas Obscura. Uh, you can typically find it in the travel uh, section of, of, of a bookstore as well, too. But the whole premise behind Atlas Obscura is that they, they uh, look at destinations and attractions that are unique and spark curiosity. So uh, it can be something very... Uh, the, there's usually a story that's attached to it as well too so for example they might like highlight you know did you know at the top of the eiffel tower there's like an apartment that's there mm. and so you know they'll talk about it and it's just like no i didn't know that but it, wow. now that i hear it, it makes me very curious or they'll talk about hey if you are going to be in um you know if you're going to be in new mexico here is the grave site of this famous outlaw and you can go visit it you know and it's just like a lot of these really interesting things that anyone who's interested in travel especially yeah. going a little off the beaten path can uh, can look at that um for those who are in terms of like uh my profession you know one of the one of the books that i read uh, uh uh, a year or so ago that really kind of changed my mindset about how I approach giving clients advice about retirement. Uh, I read this book called The New Retirementality, The New Retirementality. And the premise behind this book is that a lot of folks really think of retirement as a sort of finish line. Yeah. And that's one, uh, that's one mindset that really sets you up for failure because once you pass that finish line, let's say you're like 66, you pass the finish line, you're still in good health. What are you going to do for the rest of your life? And the, the, the issue with that mindset of thinking of retirement as a finish line is that six months in, eight months in, you might be sitting there and retirement is not what you expected. And that's really tragic because you've saved, you've, you know, you've done all your due diligence to get there. And if it's not what it's cracked up to be, then all right, there was something wrong with the planning there. So the whole idea with, uh, with this book, The New Retirementality, is really kind of say, hey, instead of thinking of it of retiring from work, from my job, from my responsibility, think of it as retiring towards the next stage of your life. So what else are you looking to do bucket list wise and really having a chance to, to have those conversations of what does a good retirement lifestyle mean for me? You know, yeah. everyone's going to be a little different. Um, but, um, you know, that book really helped change my mindset. And actually, uh, funny you bring it up because I did just finish an audio book as well, too, um, just uh, two days ago uh, in, in anticipation for the World Cup. Uh, it was um, it's uh, it's called How to Be an Ex-Footballer. And it's written by <laughs> Peter Crouch, who, um, you know, Peter Crouch is a, a very tall uh, English uh, uh, soccer player. He played for like Liverpool and he was on the national team and such. He had a very successful career, but he wanted to be able to have a book where he could talk about what did these soccer players, these footballers do after their career. And, you know, he went through the same struggles of, oh, I'm in my mid 30s, you know, late 30s, early 40s, or even like late 20s. And what do I do with my life now? And it's a sort of existential crisis that a lot of them have. Um, you now, these are professional athletes. And we often hear about stories of professional athletes who have a great career, they retire, and then a few few years in, they're bankrupt, right? 
And yeah. so he had a chance to interview all sorts of people of what did they do with their post uh, playing career, everything from either staying within the sport or doing something completely different, uh, whether it's, you know, uh, running a business or becoming a cop or it just it, it, a lot of very interesting examples. Yeah what people have done. So those would be a couple of books I would recommend, but yeah, I feel like how to be an ex footballer. It almost is like the new retirement mentality only for athletes, right? It, it yeah. kind of like speeds up. Hey, you got to think of what is, what do you want from life and uh, be able to kind of position it accordingly. And hopefully you do all that planning before you get there, you know, <laughs> so it's not right, a, right. a culture shock. No, no, that's fantastic. And I want to thank you we run out of time here, but I could talk to you for two hours and <laughs> listeners, you can see why I brought Victor on. This is, he, he's just got so many nuggets. Again, reach out to him. He's awesome. Spend, you know, read him, send him an email and reach out, learn more because financial money is a huge thing. Finances are huge. As I always say, a good financial advisor is like a good doctor. They can make you so much better um, and, and make you feel better uh, down the road, uh, get to retirement or like me close to retirement. <laughs> so as always in serving with in business podcast show, I want you to leave our audience one, one of your favorite business tips. Yeah, this is, this is one thing that I, someone told me this while I was uh, in college and uh, I was working uh, over the summers between, uh, between classes. And um, you know, one of the, the trainers that I had, he pretty much said, you know, here's something that you can take no matter what you do. Um, it's work hard, study hard, be coachable. And as simple as that is, work hard, study hard, be coachable. As I've gone through different stages in my career, um, you know, I've, I've taken that and understood different complexities of it. Obviously, working hard, doing the right kind of work, being able to, to, to uh, stay focused, that's one thing. Study hard, I think, is one of those things that a lot of people can get complacent at, you know? Uh, so, you know, whatever your industry is, what else can you know about it, right? What else can you know about it? Who else can you meet that's, uh, that's within that industry that can, you know, impart some, some wisdom and then just be coachable, you know, where no one's going to be the expert, even, you know, the folks that are at the absolute top of their game, there's always that opportunity to do a little better, be a little more coachable, see what else you can do, whether, you know, it, it comes to uh, serving uh, different groups of people or bettering yourself or just, you know, uh, being a better leader. So I, I think those, you know, that phrase there, work hard, study hard, be coachable is just something that I've always appreciated. 